Thank you for listening to Brown Girl Table Talk. This is your host, Erica L. You can now listen to Brown Girl Table Talk on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you listen. Please like, subscribe, and leave a comment. We would love to hear your feedback. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Begin Editing. Begin Editing offers a complete range of video editing services. If you would like to discuss a custom project that you're working on today, go to www.beginediting.com where you will see they have an array of services for weddings, for corporate projects, events, family reunions, real estate, you name it. They can provide any type of editing for any type of services that you're looking for. Again, go to www.beginediting.com. Thank you everyone for joining in to Brown Girl Table Talk. I have with me today, Miss Valerie Simon. Miss Valerie, how are you today? I'm doing well, Queen Erica. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So can you start off by just introducing yourself to me and the rest of the world? Sure, sure. First and foremost, I want to say thank you so very much for the invitation to be one of your guests on your show, Brown Girls Table Talk. I think you have a phenomenal um, podcast. I want to thank you and thank the listeners for tuning in. My name is Valerie Simon. I am a brown girl and I am a mother. I am single. I am a grandmother. I am a community warrior. Uh, I consider myself a purpose pusher. And when I say a purpose pusher is that I push people into acknowledging their purpose and those that already know their purpose but are sitting on it, I push those people to fulfill their purpose and not take it to their grave. I am a survivor of domestic violence four times. I am a warrior against domestic violence as well as a warrior to break the silence and remove the stigma regarding domestic violence and mental illness. Wow. So with that being said, I heard just recently that you have given birth to something great. Um, would you like to share, start off by sharing that with us of what you're having, uh, have plans for or have planned? Sure, sure. Sure, thank you. Um, yes, I recently, back in May of this year, as a matter of fact, May the 19th to be exact, gave birth to a baby that I have been carrying for quite some time. As a matter of fact, it was longer than the average pregnancy for a woman. Um, but I was determined for my baby not to be stillborn. I was determined for the baby not to be breached. And I was determined that the baby would not be born with some abnormal features or abnormal uh, health conditions. And that baby's name is Against All Odds. Um, Against All Odds, I became pregnant with Against All Odds in New Jersey. 
I am originally from Brooklyn, New York, and I relocated as a child to North Carolina, had children, got married, mm-hmm. went through a very traumatic experience in my marriages. Mm-hmm. So my second marriage, my first marriage, I don't do a lot of talking about it because I was 18, 19 years old. And the reason for that marriage is because I was pregnant. And at the time, my father of the baby's mother was advising us that we were not going to have a bastard child and kind of coerced us into getting married. But my second marriage, I was more aware of the unity of marriage and what marriage means. Mm -hmm. And I went through a lot of issues with that. So I relocated back up north. And that's where I became pregnant with Against All Odds. And it was birthed here in Gaston County this year, May 19th. And I am home now taking care of my baby. All right. All right. So um, with that being said, I know that you are a domestic violence survivor and this month is domestic violence awareness month and I um, am also a survivor and I just wanted to allow you this platform and opportunity to share your story and our goal is to uh, bring transparency um, allow people to hear the realness in the situation that if there's someone that's going through domestic violence right now and they're listening to this podcast that they can say that, okay, she did it. He did it. I can do it too. So um, would you like to expound a little bit on your story? Sure. Sure. Oh, as I said earlier, I am a four time survivor of domestic violence. Um, I think my last three would be the ones that resonate the most, especially the last two. Mm -hmm. So I would start off with my third, my second experience of domestic, well, my first experience, let me back up. My first experience was by the hands of my mother. Mm. And my mother um, was schizophrenia. So... I went through a tremendous amount of abuse by my mother. And it took me years to realize it wasn't that she didn't love me. It's I was the first thing that she could attack when she went into her psychotic rages. So was she diagnosed Um, at that time or this was later on you found out that? Um, she was diagnosed. She was with. diagnosed when she gave birth to me, but mm. at the, I didn't understand it as a little girl. Okay. I didn't start really understanding her mental illness until I was probably thirteen, okay. and I had to kind of start reading up on stuff myself. Okay. Now, does I mean some people argue that um, mental health or mental illness is not hereditary or what have you? or it's not genetic or what have you, um, are there family members or is there something related to that or did she have something significant happen in her life that, you know, 
brought on the diagnosis? It's my understanding, yes. It's my understanding that there are no family members that have this issue, but she experienced her first son, who is my brother. Mm-hmm. He was kidnapped from her. Uh, and from what I have learned, he was kidnapped from some family members. And we located him before she passed. Um, when my sister got married, my sister did some research and she was able to locate him. And she flew him here from Vegas. And that is what we have been told that triggered her. And mm. me being a mother of four sons, it would trigger me too. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I began to gain sympathy as well as empathy for the pain that my mother had put upon me mm. in child abuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I began to understand, and it was from a very hard place because as a child, you being beat with a police block and beat with an extension cord and you laying in blood and days you can't go to school because you welked up. It's a very hard thing, but God brought me through it and allowed me to start understanding the reasons behind why she was behaving the way she was and abusing me. No, I don't condone child abuse, but sometimes we have to understand the root of the matter. Right. And the root of my mom's matter was her first child had been kidnapped from her. And she never saw him again until, when I say years later, years later. Mm. And he was told that she was dead. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, what about the second occurrence? My second occurrence was with my ex-husband. Uh, I experienced some with my first husband, but not so much intensified as I would feel with my second husband. Um, yes, my first husband, I have had him arrested for his violent tendencies. Mm-hmm. But it was really, I think, with my second husband that it really got to the point that I felt he would have killed me Mm. or I would have killed him. Um, With my second husband, he, God bless his soul, because he's no longer here, but he was a loving man. He had a very good side of him. However, when he started drinking or... I would say experiencing drugs or acting out in a promiscuous way, I was his bag, his target. Right, right. And there were plenty of times where he had beat me and he had raped me and I felt I had to take and deal with this because at this time I had three, four sons. Right. Where am I going to go? with three, four sons, and I had allowed him to speak into my ears, which then began to rest upon my heart and my mind, no one's going to want you with three, four children. 
Wow, it's interesting. So I began to believe that. You know, um, yes. that's pretty, you know, I, I've spoken with other women and um, just going through uh, support groups and things of that nature. Um, that's one thing that comes out that the abuser usually says, nobody else going to want you, you know, and I experienced the same thing. It's like they, that, that, you know, that that's verbal abuse. That's like, um, you know, backing you up into emotional. a corner. Yeah. Yes. It's verbally yes. Yes. abusive and it's emotional. And that, you know, I think that's just as hard as a blow to the face. You know, you it can, can be worse. Yeah. It oh, can yeah. be worse because you internalize constantly what people or others say to you. Right. A bruise eventually will heal most of the time. Right. But words take a different type of stimulation. Exactly. Words reside and resonate in your mind where the list may be something that's hitting, but your mind will forever replay what someone has said to you, whether it's good or bad. Amen. 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 So I went through a lot of emotional, physical, and even financial abuse. Mm-hmm. And I would also say spiritual abuse, but mm-hmm. it was the spiritual abuse was not with him because he was not a godly man or a spiritual inclined man. But his parents were, and I was in the church after we got married. And I realized even in the church, I went through a lot of abuse, which was a lot of hurt. Mm. Um, he was the type of man that I would say is very political because he was nice looking and the girls out there knew it. And when he wanted to do his thing, he did it and would not allow me to get in the way. And at that time, I had already had two kids and when we had our first son, it was during that time his promiscuous tendencies and behaviors began to become a problem. Because now here I have, I have three kids. Hmm. And I have an expectation of what a husband or a man is supposed to be in the household. And a lot of the times he was not meeting that expectation. And I know the question is, well, why did you stay? Once again, we as victims, we allow the individual that's victimizing us to convince us that we're no good, we're not worthy, and where are we going to go? Right. And I was codependent upon him for financial support. So that made things even more challenging having three children and it became even more challenging when I had the fourth child. As a matter of fact, I still remember very clearly when I got pregnant with my fourth son, Mm -hmm. I didn't want the baby. And I had to openly explain to my baby boy my emotions behind it. I didn't want another child. Mm. How I found out I was pregnant is because we had gotten into a fight and my head hit the window ceiling mm-hmm. 
and I got very, very dizzy, which I had been feeling kind of dizzy, but my cycle was still coming on. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, they kept saying, what's the stat, what's the stat? And they were calling doctors. And they came back and told me that I was 13 and a half weeks pregnant. They had to get me in the hospital. Mm. And I went through a severe amount of depression during that time because here I am now with my fourth baby by someone who I don't want to be with because of all of the abuse that I had underwent or was going through. Right. So that was my third incident of domestic violence. Okay. My fourth incident and fifth were just here recently and I had to think about it because now I realize I, I'm a five-time survivor. And those happened here recently which I think broke the water of the baby against our lives. Mm. I um, went through a life-death situation in New Jersey that left me lifeless and during this time, I had friended a guy we were dating. However, we had separated during that time. And I had called him and asked him when I knew I was scheduled for surgery, would he go in with me in the hospital? Mm -hmm. So, of course, because I had separated from him and he was glad to hear from me, of course, he was like, sure. So we kind of reconnected. Right. And I go in the hospital for this one day surgery, thinking that I'm going to come out the next day and, you know, take a few weeks to heal and get back to work and be about my normal daily activities. Fortunate but unfortunate, I went into the hospital and coded and was left lifeless, um, unable to walk, talk, on life support, on oxygen, and they had to install a trachea in me to resuscitate me, to even bring me back to life. Mm -hmm. So I felt um, obligated to him because in my mind, that's love. That's how I felt. If somebody was there with you through this whole transition, he was there with me when I got the diagnosis. He was there with me when I went in for the surgery. And he stayed there. And he located a job in the South, which he knew I wanted to be close to my children and grandchildren. I did not want to kind of come back to the South alone because of the fear of what may occur with me and my ex-husband at the time. Okay. So he got the job and he offered me an opportunity to move down here in Gaston County. Okay. And I did. I thought I knew a lot about the gentleman, and to make it all honest, now I'm realizing I didn't. Um, he had some narcissistic tendencies because of some things that he dealt with as a little child, some things that he dealt with as a parent, which he then conveyed those attributes into his relationship. And if anyone studies anything about domestic violence, narcissistic individuals can be very charming. Right. They will wipe you off your feet. 
And when everything starts revealing itself, you almost are like you're in a boxing ring and get a TKO and you didn't even see it coming. Right. Oh, you know, you were in the boxing ring. Right. So that's how it was with him. And when I talked to people about it, I didn't go through physical abuse with him. The physical abuse came from his daughter, who he failed to disclose. She had been dealing with some mental issues, and she was diagnosed bipolar, and he never disclosed that with me mm-hmm. until he had moved her in, and issues began to arise with our relationship. He was very insecure and would follow me on Facebook with a profile that had no picture silhouette and I was being accused of this particular man and this particular man when I had no interest in the men and neither they had interest in me the majority of these men either already had a significant other some was as young as my my boys but his insecurity and his daughter began to overtake our relationship because immediately, when I say immediately, almost instantly with her moving in, the whole household changed. Her energy was just that obvious. The household changed. And he began to start saying things to me about clothing that I'm wearing, stuff that he never would have said before. So was and this was like, before your surgery? This was about. after your surgery and after you this overcome was after and death? surgery, right? Mm. Yes, yes. So that's where I began to wake up. That's the exact question that woke me up. When I started realizing everything that he was allowing, as well as enabling, needs to be put through. I'm like, this man. There's no way he can love me. You saw what I went through, and then you want to expose me and put me in this type of environment and situation that could add on to my healing process. Because when I moved from Jersey back down south, the trachea had just got removed the day before I moved. Oh, wow. And the reason why I moved so quickly is because I had taken sick. I was no longer working. I was in an apartment that was almost $1,400 a month. I could no longer afford it. I couldn't stay by myself. Um, When I was finally discharged from the hospital, I had a nurse, a nurse's aide, a physical therapist, and a speech therapist all visited me Mm -hmm. numerous times throughout the day. Right. Because I did not want to go into a long-term care facility. Right. And I was on oxygen, so they told me I had to have someone living with me all the time. Okay. So, of course, who would not think their significant other is not going to take care of So he lived with you throughout the opportunity. Yes. So he took that as an opportunity, but once again, we women, we get blindsided by the charming characteristics of narcissist men. So, um, do you and think I'm that... I'm in a situation, I feel bad, I need a place to stay. Right. So, with that, you know, um, you're saying, um, for one, um, 
someone from the outside looking in is like, wow, this is a pattern for you. Like, are, were there any, like you said, um, with a narcissistic, narcissistic person, uh, their behavior is like such, like you said, cunning. Um, they're very sweet in the beginning um, until they find, you know, you find yourself backed up in a corner and, um, you know, kind of like our president. <laughs> um, but um, do you, do you ever experience mm-hmm. like narcissism, not my first experience of domestic violence. Right. So with the domestic violence, um, do you look at look back and say, was this a pattern for me? Um, did I see the writing on the wall? Is this what I'm attracting? What is it about me? Or, you know, what have you? Because, you know, um, sometimes we can be our worst critics. Oh, what a powerful question, Queen Erica. What a powerful question. And you don't have to answer. It's okay, but, you know. No, I I do want to answer because that's a part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. Yes, even before I entered into this relationship, when I went through my terrible divorce, even through some of the violence that I experienced with my ex-husband, I mean, being raped by him and a shotgun, not a pistol, but a shotgun put to my head. Uh, plenty of times I questioned mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And it was not until this last experience of domestic violence with this gentleman and his daughter that I acknowledged and I realized I needed to love me. I needed to understand my value. I needed to understand my worth. Mm-hmm. Yes, did I see some writings on the wall? Yes, I did. But I let my guard down. I mm-hmm. clearly remember telling one of my girlfriends because I wanted to be loved again. I wanted to get married again. I wanted to be in a relationship. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that I believe some women, the same as some men, we were not put here to be alone. Right. The Bible says that. The Bible clearly says I wish that man did not live alone. That's where the Lord put Eve into Adam's life because he didn't want man to live alone. Right, right. So I'm one of those women, I feel that I am one, not that I need a partner, but I want to have what God intended for a woman to have, which is a holy unity. So... That's what I was looking for in this particular individual. And it failed me because the, the warning signs that was there, my desires for what I wanted outweighed the warning signs. Mm. I can remember because we met online and that was because I had relatives teasing me. They had never seen me with dating anybody since I had been in Jersey. Mm-hmm. And it's because I was apprehensive after my divorce. I This was only the second guy that I dated outside of my marriage. Right. And I went to online to meet him because I wasn't one to go out a lot. I worked and, you know, went to church here and there. And that was it. And I wasn't meeting anybody there. My auntie would tell me, you're not going to meet him in the supermarket. So I happened to go online and there he was. And he was very, very charming. But there are certain things that he said that, yes, 
yes, should have been a light bulb. I can I clearly remember now when I go back and reflect, he would ask me, Well, you don't listen to the advice of your girlfriend. That's a light bulb right there. Right, controlling. That's the light Taking bulb. Taking right control there. of but your environment. Yeah. Yes, I didn't see that because we were talking about a gentleman that when I was in, I worked and was in college, Mm. going to further my education, and he was one of the first gentlemen, as Steve Harvey says, that I didn't just give the cookies to. Mm. He would come and sit and help me with my homework sometimes to three o'clock in the morning, and he had to be to work at six. He would sleep on the couch and I'm in my bed. Mm. So he gained respect from me, but the whole while he was dating me. Right. And I didn't pay attention to it. But the signs there, yes, there were signs there. I chose not to pay attention to them. Why did you choose not to pay attention to them when you experienced this before? Because again, I did not really understand my work. I did not really understand my value. And that happens often with domestic violence victims. It was not until this last situation that I began to see my worth, that I began to see my value, that I began to see my purpose. And my purpose is not to be violated or abused by any man or any woman. Amen. And when you don't understand that, you will allow anyone to manipulate and abuse you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is so, that's what the compelling, I mean, that's like you said, the the light bulb goes off and you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and um, really understanding, like you said, knowing your worth. And that's an everyday process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's an everyday process. And and that's another thing, too, that I try to share with a lot of people is that with domestic violence, any type of um, if you're at the hands of anything, um, that everything doesn't happen overnight. Everything is a process because some people like, oh, girl, you're still in this relationship. Yeah. Some people are still doing that. It's a process. Women, you know, we. You can't just walk, like you said, you know, you had four children. You couldn't just get up and walk away. You know, it was a process. It's a process. Oh, you all up in, you, you, you all up in my spiritual realm there because I have a message in my belly. What do you do in the meantime process? Because I have come to realize that oftentimes, we want the process to be expedited or to go through a microwavable stage. Mm-hmm. And I am learning um, sometimes the process is not there for the other person. Sometimes the process is there because it's something you need to learn in that journey. It's something you need to become more conscious and aware. Now, here it is. Yes, I said when we first get on, that I had four times as a survivor of domestic violence. It mm-hmm. took me, you just start engaging in conversation for me to really realize it was five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, a lot of people would ask, well, how did you end up in that many? Did you not see the signs? It's a process. 
But not it, only that, little girl. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was, I, and I was just going to point out is that um, you recognize that. You know how many people don't even recognize this? It's like, oh, we just got into a fight. Oh, my boyfriend, he just slammed me up against the wall. It's nothing. Oh, um, mm-hmm. he took it. I gave it up. I didn't feel like doing it, but I gave it up. That's, you know, that's abuse. And these, some women don't recognize that. They don't put a label on it. They don't They don't want to see it for yeah. what it is. So at least you can yeah. say, honestly say and say boldly, oh, it, it wasn't even four times. It was five times. So you're recognizing yeah. what's happening. You're calling it out and you're addressing it so that you can move forward. Yes. And that's where, that's the reason why I said the fourth and the fifth time, send my cervix and broke the water to against all odds. Because when I recognized his daughter, who does not weigh 100 pounds soaking wet, began to verbally, viciously, and physically attempt to attack me and threaten to kill me, approached me by coming to the apartment where me and him were residing. Had I opened the door, I probably would not be here this afternoon on your podcast show. Mm. She was at the door with a butcher knife to stab me. Wow. And when the police officers got there, he told the police officers he had to disarm her. In order to disarm someone with a knife, that literally means that that person is standing there with the knife ready to a jaw. Right. So he never disclosed to me some of the mental challenges or her mental diagnosis prior in our relationship. Never disclosed it to me. There were signs there, but guess what, Queen Erica? Mm. I ignored them because of my desire of wanting to be, be with a, a man, wife, be with wanting a man. To, be to be with a man and have a family. Yeah. So the times that I had to pick her up for him because she got into it with the mother, I didn't put two and two together. Because mm. we didn't live together then. They say you don't know a person until you live with them. Well... I can contest. <laughs> I found out a lot when we lived together and when he moved his daughter in. I mean, within two months of him moving her in, he had lost his job because her first aggression towards me was so bad. As I told him, if he would have went to work that day, I probably would have ended up in jail because I probably would have did something very dangerous mm. and ungodly towards his daughter. Little did I know, he was already having some issues at work, and this was the day that they had a big inspection, and he was in a management role. It was mandatory for him to be there. But he couldn't go because she came into our bedroom without being invited the previous night, wanting to know what did I do to her son? Why was he crying? Mm. Lo and behold, I didn't know what she was talking about. And the reason why she said that is because every night she had a habit of leaving the apartment, going next door to have relations or to stay with the neighbor's son. Oh, wow. And she would leave the little boy there with us. 
course, me being the woman of the house, I was the one taking care of the little boy. So I get up and I go, leave the bedroom, and I go look at the little boy, and I'm not calling names for privacy reasons, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with him. He, there was no tears nowhere. So I said, what are you talking about? That's when she just went into this bipolar rage. She was calling me everything but anything positive and went the last out at me. And yes, I went to defend myself, but of course, her father was a tremendous mediator. So it was a very restless night. So that morning when he got up to get ready for work, I let him know, I'm going to get her today. So he didn't go to work. He loses his job. Oh, wow. And when I say our relationship went downhill like the twinkling of an eye. So do you think he blamed you for the job issue? I didn't hear quite what you said again. I said, do you think he uh, blamed you for the, the, you know, dismissal from his employment employer? No, he he helped his daughter accountable to an extent, but he was an enabler. Mm. And I didn't recognize that until I lived with him. His daughter had went through sexual abuse as a little girl, so he was dealing with guilt because he felt like he should have been there to protect her. And that I knew that she had experienced sexual abuse as a little girl before we lived together, but I didn't know how intense it was. I didn't know that she had not got help for it. I didn't know that she was still talents with dealing with it. He used that as a line to make it appear that he's a responsible man that had custody of his children. Mm. And now that I've become more engaged in learning the different spectrums and dynamics of domestic violence, I am understanding that most narcissists, whether it's male or female, they tend to brag on having custody of their children. Oh, because they did something, because they took over. Yes, yes, and that's something that they use, and most of women, if you meet a man and a man tells you he has custody of the children, what is your mind going to think? Wow, we automatically going to assume something was wrong with the mother. Automatically. Well, not necessarily anymore because I've I've ran into a few, you know, people, females that have dated people with children and they like, my God, like, how did this person end up, you know, and it's because of the narcissistic behavior, the controlling and uh, manipulation that they gain uh, custody of their children. Some men. Exactly right. You mm-hmm. are exactly right. But before I became knowledgeable of that, I took it as if a man, a man is saying he gets custody of their child. He's a man of honor. That's how I took it. Because I didn't apply myself, even though I had been a victim of domestic violence in the past, I never took it upon myself as I was trying to heal from my past experiences to really sit down and evaluate the variations within domestic violence. It was not until this fourth and this fifth experience 
that I felt the need, I felt provoked to analyze Valerie, to see what what is it in me? I felt provoked to start understanding the tendencies of the victim and the abuser. Mm. And that's when I started learning that most narcissistic people, man or woman, they use their narcissistic characteristics to even manipulate the legal system, the court system. That's how they end up with custody of their children. The same way that they charm me, I'm sure he probably charmed the judge. And as my grandmother raised me, her thing was this three sides to a story. The two people that are involved in the situation, their side and the other side, Mm -hmm. is the truth. So I never knew what the truth was on how he had the daughter. But nevertheless, the daughter knew that when she cried, daddy was going to wipe her eyes, even at 19, 20 years old with a child. Right. Wow. From assaulting me to damaging my vehicle, almost $2,000 worth of damage. I'm in Jersey speaking at a domestic violence event. I come back home. My vehicle is maliciously damaged by way of being keyed. Mm. Never in my life had anyone keyed my vehicle. And I went through a very um, unhealthy marriage where my ex-husband was very promiscuous and not one of his female associates outside of our marriage did any harm to my vehicle. It wasn't until this experience. Okay. Threatened to kill my life. So when I say I've learned a lot from my fourth and fifth experience, it had an impact on me mentally, physically, emotionally, and yes, spiritually. So what would you... I look at it now. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Ask your question. No, uh-uh, I'm, I'm. I didn't want to cut you off. Please proceed. Please go ahead. <laughs> okay, that's okay. So I look at it now that I go back to the scripture, Romans eight and twenty-eight. All things hmm. work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. These last two experiences as a domestic violence victim has helped me identify my purpose in life. It has helped me clarify and understand and admit to knowing who I am, who I belong to, and honoring my word. Now, I had plenty of girlfriends and probably plenty of men friends that would have said, no, you were always a very confident person. But sometimes even the people that we think are confident, they are not. We don't know what them individuals go through behind closed doors, but I have been one of those. I appear to be confident. I appear to be happy. But I have been one that behind closed doors, I wrestled with my confidence. I wrestled with not being good enough. I wrestled with not being smart enough. And that goes all the way back to the dysfunction with me as a little girl 
due to having to experience child abuse from my mother because of my mother's mental illness challenge. Mm -hmm. So that's why now one of my big initiatives is to bring awareness to domestic violence and remove the stigma regarding mental illness because I am a strong believer that the majority of domestic violence cases, the root of the matter of those cases is underlying underlying mental health issues that have not been diagnosed or they're misdiagnosed or they're under or overdiagnosed. Hmm. True statement. There's very there's some validity to that. Absolutely. Um and I, I mean, it was it was an experience that if I had to do it again, no, I wouldn't. But I feel that I was chosen. That's why I love that scripture, Romans eight twenty eight. Yes, and I was wraps, chosen to endure. It wraps everything. I mean, it it wraps everything up in regards to that because, um. When you're going through something, a lot of times we just look at the the actual, you know, storm and the actual issue um, that we're dealing yeah. with at that time and not actually look at um, the fact of what what am I getting out of this, which means that a lot of times we go through the same cycle, 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 cycle. You'd be like, well, why I keep going through this? Because God is, like you said, trying yeah. to teach us something that we may have not learned before. It's just like watching a movie, like even, you know, watching The Color Purple. As much as The Color Purple come on, like, I'm like, dang, I didn't even pay attention to that part. I've seen the movie like 50 times, but every time you see it, you get something totally different out of it. You know. Exactly, because um, I think what I realized, I never looked at Valerie and all of these domestic violence situations until these last two. The last two is when I began to look at me. In the past, I looked at the abuser and what their issues were. I never paid attention to what my issues were. Why were I allowing those issues? And you know, that's this time I began to evaluate all of that. Right, and you know, um, I'm definitely not against the Me Too movement, but um, we as women, we got to look at some things at ourselves. You know, did we feel good about ourselves? You know, did some of these women, these some of these women who um, are in the limelight and, um, you know, they took money from these men. They were willingly taking drugs from these men. They were willingly, you know, meeting them in hotel rooms. They were doing this willingly. And what causes you to think that way? What causes you to feel that you have to gravitate to those types of lifestyles. So I had to look at Valerie. I mm-hmm. really did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not to take, and like I you say, don't excuse, don't excuse the behavior now. Don't get me wrong. What what had occurred was wrong, like on all levels. You know, you That's raping right. somebody, That's right. That's exactly you know, right. what have you, drugging them, whatever the case may be. Don't take, I'm not taking that away from them. Definitely the act was wrong. But two, like you said, we do have to look at ourselves and give ourselves a self-examination and say, you know, what could I do differently? What could I learn from this? Maybe I need to focus more on my self-esteem. Maybe I need to focus more on 
my spiritual life and and getting to getting closer to God and really knowing God. Because even through this podcast and talking to different people of all different walks of life, I am learning. This is a healing process for me. And it causes me to evaluate myself even more because sometimes we as females, we second guess ourselves. And um, just to wrap it up, if you could give uh, any ladies um, advice on mental health and how, you know, dealing with mental health and even dealing with the fact with your mom having a mental illness, like, what in, what are some encouraging words that you would want to share with everybody today? Oh, if I can say to anybody that's listening to this is don't always judge a book by its cover. Everything that shines is not gold. Your mental health is just as valuable as your physical health. My perception from a non-clinical perspective is they go interchangeably. Mental health and physical health are interchangeably. If you diagnose someone with cancer, which is a physical condition, they are going to end up dealing with a mental health condition that's going to turn into a mental illness if the mental health condition does not get addressed. The mental illness that will come out of being told that you get cancer is nine times out of ten going to be depression or anxiety. So that's the reason why my perception is we must take care of our mental being. A lot of people would see on my social media platforms, I have hashtag mind, body, and soul reset. I have something that God has put in my spirit that I will be coming forth with on what we need to do to reset our mind, our body, and our soul back to the original or when we first entered into the world. Innocent. We need to hit the reset button like a computer and reboot Mm. and send it back to the manufacturer's original programming. Because of different experiences and different traumas that we as women and men deal with, our spirituality has been distorted. And being a victim, now a survivor and warrior of domestic violence, I have realized when your spirituality your spirituality is not in the appropriate alignment with the higher power, that affects you mentally and physically. So I would say to anyone, do not overlook or ignore your mental health because if you ignore it, it will have a very strong hold and can be deadly on your physical health. I absolutely agree with you. I do thank you and I really appreciate you taking the time out and sharing your story with us, Valerie. I mean, this is so compelling. Um, Again, we are bringing forth awareness to domestic violence um, awareness month, and we are bringing awareness to uh, mental health um, awareness month as well as which is the month of October. So breast cancer month, 
um, is this um, bringing forth awareness to breast cancer this month, bringing forth awareness to mental health as well as domestic violence. And it's interesting because these things tie into um, yeah. to each other. They intertwine. And um, we as a community, our African-American community, we have got to um, do better. Yeah, we got to do better. And we got to take away these taboos and these myths that, um, you know, something wrong with going to see um, a therapist. Um, please seek out a therapist. Um, yes. You know, yes. I, after this podcast is over. Therapy. Right. <laughs> you I've know. been in therapy for years on and off. And my other thing that I would leave with everyone, please don't think that the healing process is an overnight process. Mm. This is my opinion because I don't want someone that's clinical to debate it to where they don't understand the content of what I'm getting ready to say. Mm -hmm. Healing is an ongoing process. And depending upon the type of pain and trauma that an individual has had to undergo or has experienced, your healing may be a lifetime process because of different triggers and factors that can sometimes bring up what originally brought you pain. So you have to constantly apply yourself to the healing. Do not expect to be healed if you don't want to partake in your healing. Wow. And it's nothing wrong with seeking out the various effective treatments so that you can be healed. When we become whole, that's where we become valuable. That's when we are an asset, first and foremost, to ourselves. And when we recognize that we need healing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you got to partake in it. You got to participate in it. That's like a a person on drugs going to a rehab center, but they're not participating in the activities. The rehab center is going to discharge them. It's satisfactory. They have to participate. Some people want to heal, but they don't want to participate in what's required for them to heal successfully, heal effectively. And sometimes the things that are required are ugly. It's painful. Oh, yeah. It's not always pretty. Everybody watching uh, Yama Fix My Life. Hey, that's what she doing. What you think? She didn't. She lives it. That's her platform. She lived it. And she's still healing. And her process is, you know, you, you know, you got to go through the process. That's her, you know, do the work. That's her thing. She says you got to do the work. And she's making a million dollars right now. (laughs) <laughs> tell you know, pretty much saying the same thing that we we're talking about today. And she's still healing, and she's still healing every time she interviews a different family. Uh-huh. She's finding out something different. That's yeah. a part of her, her healing, healing process. Too. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. TD Jakes. Yes. Tyler Perry. Yes. They've all been through things. Yes. And and this is part of their healing. Yes. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey. Yes. It's part of their healing process. So I do thank you uh, for going, um, coming on today and and sharing with us your story. I do appreciate it. I do not take it for granted. And if it's anything I could ever do for you, just 
you know, where I'm at. <laughs> I will queen Erica and this will not be the last that you and I will have um, collaboration. I want to applaud you for the platform that you have and that you are offering to others. And as a purpose pusher, <laughs> I say to you, keep pushing forward with purpose on purpose, unapologetically, mm. intentionally against all odds. Amen. Thank you. I received that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank You're you again. Welcome. And you can look me up on Facebook. Uh-huh. And if I can be of any service to yes, you. Yes, yes. Please share with us how we can you. find you. You know, again, please share with us. Please, please, or yes, whatever you can social. Find me on Facebook. Yes, you can find me on Facebook, and my name is B as in Victory, A L E R I E. My last name is Simon, S as in Sam, I M O N. I am also on Instagram as Queen Val 66. And if you go to Facebook and you key in the search for the Against All Odds group, Odds is spelled with a Z. It's O-D-D-Z. And the reason why it was spelled that way is because my life story has been so odd. And I've had to fight, as Oprah would say, all of my life. I decided to use the last alphabet in the alphabet, the last letter. So go on Facebook and look up Against All Eyes. We do have a website. You will find the website address on the Facebook Against All Eyes group page. It is currently under construction Mm -hmm. and due to be enhanced. So follow us. This is a movement that is here to help people identify their purpose, optimize their purpose, and be trailblazers in their home and in their community. Absolutely. Well, we thank you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Brown Girl Table Talk is not intended to replace any mental health service of any kind. If you're looking for assistance, we can point you in the right direction. Take care. Brown Girls Table Talk, go to my mommy's website. Mommy's website is bgtt.onuniverse.com. Again, that's bgtt.onuniverse.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. Bye.